This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey guys, Jeremy here with Simple Life. Welcome to another episode. I hope you guys are doing great. Hopefully this audio finds you in a good place. Uh, hopefully you're staying warm. <laughs> the reason I say that is because currently we are in the death grips of winter. I think our high temperature today was minus 25 degrees Celsius. Uh, right before I came down to record this evening after we ate dinner, it was uh, like minus 29 Celsius. And if I plug that into the old uh, Googleizer, let's see, minus 29 C to F. Uh, what do we got? We got slow internet. That's minus 20.2 degrees Fahrenheit. That's cold. That <laughs> is really stinking cold. Uh, I had to go to town today to pick up some aluminum and uh, my car battery, I think, is like done. Uh, one thing that happens in this cold, cold weather is that your batteries, they kind of they, they almost expand, and sometimes they can actually, like like ice cubes do, right? They expand and it cracks uh, several times. I don't know if it's where we live and the wind that we get, but it seems at least once a winter I have a battery crack on me. And uh, anyways, I, I went into town, got me aluminum. Of course, there was no contact pickup, so I just opened the trunk of my car. I took my little rice rocket, and uh, they put the aluminum in there, and on the way back I had to stop at Costco. And uh, went in and grabbed a few things because obviously, I mean, nobody likes to go out in this weather. And I thought, you know what? Let's do some one-trip one shopping, right? Let's hit everything we need to do. So I went into Costco, got my groceries, came back out, and I went to start my car. And da -da 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 nothing. It, it had enough to, like, work the power locks. And that was the same thing this morning. It was dead this morning. Uh, usually, though, I thought, well, if I'm going to drive it around, that should, you know, charge up the battery enough and I'd be okay. Not good enough. So, uh, luckily, I had some booster cables. I'm a, I'm a bit of a, not a prepper, prepper, not like I'm getting ready for any crazy stuff going down, but practical preparedness. So, I have tow ropes in all vehicles. I have booster cables in all vehicles and some simple hand tools. And uh, generally, usually a few times a year, I'll give somebody else a boost and I remember the last time I gave a person a boost, I was like, man, when when is this stuff going to pay off for me? And uh, today was the day. I went and I popped the hood. I put all my groceries in the trunk, popped the hood of my car, uh, got the booster cables on there, and I stood out in the Costco parking lot. And thankfully, there's, there's a lady in this big, huge, really nice old Chevy, all jacked up. Looked like a farm truck. But uh, I said, is there any chance I could borrow a boost from you? And she goes, oh, yeah, absolutely, for sure. And incidentally, she just replaced new batteries in all three of their vehicles yesterday from the cold. So she's definitely uh, very sympathetic, and I appreciate that. Uh, boosted up, and I was on my way. But we are we are in this cold for a couple of weeks here, it looks like. Uh, all throughout this next week, I think the warmest temperature that it's showing is like minus 25 Celsius. <laughs> it's going to be brutal. Uh, it's just part of it, I guess. We've uh, been very lucky with winter so far this year. Uh, it's been quite mild, and uh, now the real stuff kicks in. Also, interesting note, I had mentioned in the last podcast that we go skiing quite regularly. Uh, we went this past week. It was a great one for my birthday, which was on Thursday. Yeah, I had a wonderful time, and it was so busy. I, I was actually blown away by how busy it was. I, I wasn't 
even thinking they'd be allowed to be that busy, but it was so busy that they'd opened up certain chairlifts that they keep off limits until the weekend when it's actually busy, right? So during the week, uh, you have the advantage of not as many people on the hill, but then you have the disadvantage that not all of the chairlifts are open, so not all of the runs are accessible. Uh, but this Thursday we went up, and it was so busy that they had to open up one of these additional chairlifts, and we found runs that we've never skied before, and <laughs> kind of bittersweet because that chairlift is actually the one that we prefer now. You know, we never knew what was up there. We never knew the runs coming down from that lift. And uh, skiing them on Thursday, I was like, this is the best chair they have. But unfortunately for us, when we go during the week to avoid the crowds, uh, that's one of the chairlifts that's not always open. <clears throat> oh, well, what do you do? So I was kind of thinking about what to talk about for this podcast and uh, a few things. There's not going to be anything. Uh, we're not taking sides on anything. Uh, no, no COVID talk and no politics, uh, anything like that. Uh, I'm gonna give you a couple updates on a few things and um, uh, talk about the project that I released on YouTube: a knife clip, a deep carry pocket clip for my bench made Cryptilian, and then also a bit of an interesting Instagram conversation I had. And we're gonna start with this. Uh, let's go back a, a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two. And uh, my buddy Todd Fuss had messaged me saying that, hey, I saw part of one of your YouTube videos on an ad on Facebook. And I'm, I'm not on Facebook very much. And I asked if he could, like, screenshot it or send it to me or something. And uh, he wasn't really – I think he did. He sent me a link or something like that, but it was – I don't know. He screenshot it and then it went away and we couldn't find it again. I forget all the details, but I kind of thought, you know what? There's there's not a lot you can do. Uh, a lot of my content gets jacked and then put onto Facebook and Instagram, obviously. Uh, that's why I'm not a huge fan of those platforms. They, <laughs> you know, there's there's big business stuff that they, they don't really care about a little content creator. They don't care about some guy's YouTube video being stolen to sell a product. Um, and I've had a few of my videos like in whole put up on these crafting Facebook pages and the paperwork that you have to fill up, fill out to get your uh, your content removed is absolutely crazy. It's it's insane. Um, but these this video that they had stolen was for my Nipex pliers, and um, this was a video I'd done back when I was in the shipping container shop. And if you don't know what Nipex are, uh, it's spelled K N I P E X. They're they're fantastic. They also make a Cobra plier, which is Kind of like the traditional water pump pliers, you know, for not necessarily grabbing a fastener, but just like hose pliers or something like that, right? Uh, use it great on like black pipe and stuff like that. Uh, these these other Nipex, they're parallel jawed pliers. So no matter how wide you open them, the jaws are always parallel. And that lends themselves very well to replace a crescent wrench. These things are the greatest tools. Uh, I've done several videos on YouTube about them. And uh, even on my personal channel uh, i'll work on bicycles and stuff like that and people will see me using them and they always comment that every time i show these pliers i get a comment what on earth are those and uh, if you've never heard of nipex you definitely you should look into them they're very expensive i will say that uh, they're not cheap i think like a six inch size is about 40 or 50 bucks uh, but as somebody who's been using them for like over five years now 100% worth the money. In fact, I've got two complete sets and I like to keep them, you know, in my little tool pouch that I carry around if I got a repair in the house or I got to install something or put something together. And then I also like a dedicated set for my toolbox. But 
I had these pliers and I, I did videos on them. And I did notice that indeed there was an ad on Facebook for these pliers. And there's a small clip where I'm kind of looking at the camera and then I hold the pliers up between the camera lens and my face. And I have this really interesting, not, not interesting, but it actually just worked out. The focus hit perfectly and you can see the jaws opening up, closing. And when I kind of looked at it within the context of their advertisement, their little video commercials, like that's actually a really good clip. <laughs> at least they picked a good part to put in here. And uh, I didn't think anything of it. I thought, whatever, you know, there's, there's not a lot you can do. What am I going to do? Get this removed? Who cares? And that was a couple months ago. A few months went by. I didn't think anything about it. And then I got an Instagram message over the weekend. And uh, a gentleman had said, hey, uh, I noticed that, you know, I bought these pliers that you had recommended. And the company sent me the wrong ones and they won't get back to me now. And I, I remember looking at this this thing and, and he sent me a screenshot of when he had placed the order. And I said, what do you mean I recommend? He's like, yeah, it was with your link. And I said, what do you mean my link? Now, in some of my YouTube videos, I have put uh, Amazon affiliate links. So uh, the way that works is that, you know, if I share something, I've got a little tiny store set up and I can get a unique URL code. And I put that in there. And then every time somebody buys something, uh, I get a small commission, like it's like 2% or something, and it doesn't cost the purchaser anything. It's not like they pay more money to support. Uh, it's actually a really cool program. I actually quite like it. It's a very interesting marketing concept, but I told him, he said, I, I, I bought it through your Instagram link. And I thought, you know what? I have never shared a link to any Amazon products on Instagram, and I've never promoted anything on Instagram other than showing like generally a thumbnail of whatever YouTube video I have. And, and he sent me a picture of the pliers that he had. <laughs> they look pretty terrible. I actually feel really bad for the guy. And he told me, he said, these are probably the worst pliers I've ever owned. And I thought, oh, dude, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I really don't know anything about this. Um, this certainly wasn't a link that I had given you. And the only links that I have to these pliers are on YouTube. So if you went anywhere else, I, I, I can't be responsible for that. And I think the next morning I was thinking about it again, and I thought, oh, now it makes sense. I think what these folks are doing is they're trying to display what they're trying to lead people to believe are Nipex pliers. And then they're selling them just some cheap Chinese water pump pliers, like just terrible, at a super high price. And, you know, I kind of looked at, at what he had, I went back and looked at the screenshot that he had sent me. And that's exactly what happened. And you know, there's a certain sense where I feel bad for a very short period of time. And then ultimately it's like, it's not my problem. 100% not my problem. And he was very kind about it. He wasn't mad or anything, but he was just wondering if, if indeed this was some type of an affiliate sponsorship that I did with that company. He was looking for some contact information. He was wanting to know if maybe I had somebody in the company that I could, you know, say, hey, listen, customer service problem. Let's help this guy out. Obviously, I don't because I have no affiliation with this this clown donkey company that's ripping people off and ripping me off by <laughs> using content that I made to sell their junky products. And it kind of got me thinking. I was like, you know what? That's frustrating. That, that's just kind of grinds my gears a little bit. And at the same time, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> this is the world we live in. You know, the beauty about this time and space in history is that everything's accessible, right? And Anybody can put anything out there and it could reach a huge audience. And with that comes the ability to steal whatever you've put out there. 
you know, we've all seen these fake knife making accounts or making accounts where they steal people's images and then they'll be like, oh yeah, available, you know, send me, I could make this for you and stuff. Uh, it's just kind of interesting and I wish there was a better way to <clears throat> go after these people other than just, you know, on Instagram, you know, complaining about the account, reporting it as spam. Um, but people that use your stuff in an ad because when I watch this video for these dumb pliers that I remember seeing, and now that I've kind of pieced the entire story together, it is literally my face showing actual Nipex pliers. It was part of a Tool Time Tuesday video I did, but <laughs> at the same time, that is being used to market really poor quality, really junky Chinese pliers. Oh, it's kind of frustrating, and I do feel bad for anybody that buys these, but at the same time, I'm not liable. You know what I mean? Like I am entirely not responsible. If somebody steals my content and uses it to sell something that's completely different than what I was showing, I, it's just a, it's just it's an awkward situation. You know, you feel bad for people that bought these things, and you know at the same time, I'm glad that I made the video I made because those are great tools, and I will stand behind my personal recommendation for Nipex. It kind of got me thinking about that too. You know, like, as, as somebody who has a YouTube channel and people will watch videos that I put out, I don't take recommendations lightly. And if I recommend a product, it's because I actually genuinely like it. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be the right product for everybody. And, and certain people might have a different brand or a different company that they far prefer. And that's great. But it kind of got me thinking, too, and just kind of a kind of a good refresher just to get back to the basics and, and realize that, you know, if you are air quotes influencer, or if you got some social media presence, you need to realize that what you put out there is your word. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's something that we shouldn't take lightly. Uh, one of the reasons I don't do <laughs> like I, the sponsorships that I get for my YouTube that I get offered, like 99.9% .9 of them, I turn them down because I can't stand behind those products. I can't say, hey, go play a stupid video game on your phone. Waste your entire life away. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's, uh, it's just a good refresher, kind of this whole thing going through this last couple of days with this gentleman it kind of made me realize that, you know what, people are actually watching. And if I recommend something, there's a chance somebody could buy it based solely on the fact that I recommended it. Just like this gentleman, he said, you know what, I trust your judgment, I trust your opinion on things, and based on what you think about these pliers, I bought them, even though they weren't the actual pliers. Kind of a, a frustration, but also kind of just part of normal life now, <laughs> this is the world we live in, and uh, yeah, anyways, we got kind of got to sort out with him, and I, I told him what I think is going on, and that, that I'd realized that this was like, oh yes, I think they're stealing my content to sell something else. And uh, I feel bad for the guy. I do hope that he ends up getting customer service, although he probably won't. But anyways, as a lesson to all of us, now myself included, when you see something for sale online, always just double check it. You know, I wonder how many times I may have seen somebody recommend a product that, you know, a little clip of something I've seen of theirs and that's in this other product. I wonder how many times that's been tried on me. I'm not sure. Something to think about. The video that I released this past Saturday on my YouTube channel is about making a pot, bleh, a pocket clip, a deep carry pocket clip for my Benchmade Griptilian. 
Now, the bench made Griptilian, it was always one of my favorite knives. It was one of these, a dream knife, right? A knife that I've seen for years and years, never purchased. I mean, I'm, I'm generally kind of cheaper frugal with my knife purchases. Uh, that's the reason I got into making knives because, you know, once you buy a couple of good high quality knives, there is no real justification for owning more unless you want to like collect or it's just like, I'm just going to spoil myself, right? The need for a good knife isn't there once you own a good knife. Obviously, if you lose it, different knives have different pur- purposes. Uh, but I remember I had several good handmade knives and I had all the bases covered. Everything I wanted to do with a knife I had the knife to do it, and I had a good version of that knife, a good quality, sometimes handmade, sometimes not, but I couldn't justify just, hey, let me go buy another knife. Let's drop another two, three hundred bucks on this knife, especially, you know, as a, as a father, I've got four children, a wife, uh, my priority is to look after their needs, put them ahead of my own, and much more so than my wants, right? So that's why I got into making knives, and for years and years, I've wanted a Benchmade Griptilian. And I don't know what it was that pushed me to buy this knife, but this wasn't a gift. This wasn't uh, was a Christmas present. This was a knife that I just one day decided, you know what, enough is enough. I'm going to go buy this knife for myself. And I was really excited when it came. And I, I was just like phenomenally happy with this knife. I was like, this is the greatest knife ever. I love it. I love the look of the Griptilian. And I know... You know, these pocket knives, they're very uh, preference-based. I know a lot of people hate the look of the Griptilian, and there's a lot of knives that other people love, like Spyderco's. I don't know what it is about them, but I do not like the way they look. And I know you say that to some people, and like, you're insane. It's all personal preference, right? They make great Spyderco knives, and they make great Benchmade knives. But when I had first owned this knife, probably for two and a half years, I wouldn't carry it. I would carry it, you know, on the fancier times if we're going to church and I wanted a fancy knife or if we're going to town and I was going shopping, you know, I was doing clean things. This wasn't a knife that I was ever going to carry when I actually needed to do rough work with a knife. I want to keep this a little bit, you know, like a little drawer queen, you know, keep it pretty, keep it lasting. And I remember I thought, you know what, I'm going to start carrying this knife. Uh, my wife had bought me a Benchmade bug out for my birthday and I liked that one a little bit more than the Griptilian. And I thought, well, that's it. Now the Griptilian's going to become my everyday carry, especially after I had several years. I had a Kershaw clash and, you know, rebuilt springs for it, did a bunch of work. It was always kind of failing. I'd get parts and replace parts. And then also, you know, for years and years of sharpening, it was starting to get a weird shape to the blade. Uh, it wasn't all there like when it was brand new. So I retired that knife and I started carrying my bench made Griptilian. And one thing I noticed fairly quickly, it only took a day or two, and it was kind of one of these things where you don't want to admit it's true, but I actually don't like carrying this knife. It's too bulky. When I had it in my pocket, like I was thrilled that it was there and I was always kind of careful. And But when I thought about it, and the, the reality was that this thing is just big in the pocket. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to commit to this knife. I'm going to just carry this knife. And so I've been carrying this knife as a work EDC um, probably for, I don't know, two years now. And also, this is 154CM. I'm actually really not impressed with the edge retention on this blade. I, I know they make different, you can get different blade steels and stuff like that. Uh, by comparison, the S30, is it the S30? No, it's S35VN that my bug out is. That 
holds an edge really, really well. It retains its edge very well. Uh, the edge retention on this one is not that good. And I've I've used uh, CPM, no, 154CM uh, for quite a few knives. And I have knives, I own knives that I've made with 154CM. And I do believe that I have a better heat treatment on my blades in 154CM than what is on this Benchmade Graptilian. Uh, really, I'm sharpening this at least once a week. And without that, it kind of becomes to the point where it's almost useless. You know, if I need to break down a big, huge cardboard box to take it to recycling, um, you know, by the end of that, this knife has got no edge. Like, it's not cutting paper, it's not shaving hair, nothing. Uh, by comparison, I've done the same thing with my my Benchmade bug out with the S35VN, and that thing holds its edge really well. And so I was, ah, I don't know, I was kind of wondering if I should retire this Griptilian from my I carry in my pocket when I'm working and maybe possibly put the bug out in there. But then I kind of thought about that too. I was like, that, that bug out still has a, a little bit of shininess, a little bit of newness to me. And again, it's something that if, you know, I'm not working and we're going to town. I also love the bug out because it's so discreet and you don't notice it in your pocket. But I thought, you know what, we're going to keep carrying this Griptilian. And I was out in the shipping container uh, about a week ago. I forget what I was doing. I was moving something around. I ended up getting a new, like I just purchased a new snowblower and I had to send it back for warranty work and it was a big ordeal. And I ended up getting all my money back, went to a different dealer, bought another new snowblower. And in that process, I was shuffling some stuff around my shipping container shop and something caught my pocket. I'm not sure what it was. I think it was a ladder. I got a step ladder kind of leaning up against the wall and somehow I managed just to clip the edge, uh, to snag the edge of the pocket clip and it just broke. Now, this was the deep carry pocket clip. This Benchmade, when I bought it, it had the standard carry. And the thing that was really nasty about that is it left probably like three quarters of an inch of the knife hanging above your pocket. And so it was kind of weird. You know, you could see this knife sticking out. And Benchmade used to have a program. I don't know if they still do. I've, I've heard through YouTube comments, people have let me know that they've discontinued this program. But it used to be you could just ask them for a deep carry clip and they would just send it to you for free. And I actually did that on a YouTube video once. I actually called them while I was recording it. And sure enough, a couple days later, in the mail was a deep carry pocket clip from Benchmade. And that made quite a bit of difference for my enjoyment of wearing this particular knife. And when it broke, I thought, oh, man. You know, I've heard people talk about the fact that they won't just send you one to replace your standard carry pocket clip. And I had saved that standard carry clip. I think it still might be in one of my bolt bins out in the shipping container. But I remember, you know, swapping it out and then putting all the screws away separately and keeping this clip because I'm like, maybe I want to go back to it. I need to keep track of this. But really, that was like three years ago, probably, that I swapped it out. And uh, I thought, you know, I don't know even where the standard carry clip is. So I was kind of just dropping this knife in the bottom of my pocket and carrying it around without a clip. And I don't like that. I don't like things on the bottom of my pockets. I definitely like a knife to be clipped up on the top so it's not, you know, flopping around. It's nice and secure. And I kind of got to thinking, how hard would it be to make my own deep carry pocket clip? Uh, the biggest challenge that I saw for myself was that I didn't have any good material. I was thinking about maybe a stainless steel, but ultimately you want a spring type steel. I was thinking maybe, hey, I should order a little bit of like some thin titanium, but at the same time, you know, I wanted the challenge of making a clip, not the challenge of trying to figure out a 
totally new material. I mean, I, I don't know much about titanium. I've never used it. But what little I've heard people talk about is that it is a completely different world than dealing with a stainless steel or a high carbon steel. And so, you know what, that might be a bit of a recipe for frustrations. You know, if I've never worked with titanium and now I'm going to try and make a, a shape that I've never made. It's just too much uh, brand new things. And so I thought, what do I have here that would work for a pocket clip? And the first thing that came to my mind, I thought, well, maybe I could use a sawzall blade. You know, sawzall blades, they're, they've obviously got the hardened teeth on them, but I'm impressed a lot of times when you're coming in, say if you're cutting something in a, a tight corner and you accidentally bend the blade, it doesn't just snap. Like it kind of folds over and you can kind of straighten them out. They always come across as tough to me. Um, a few years ago, well, like five or seven years ago, I was really interested in lock picking, right? I want to learn how to lock pick. And um, here in Alberta, you can own lockpicks and you can learn it, but you can't actually carry lockpicks. It's illegal to carry without a special permit, you know, if you're a locksmith or something. But I started going down this rabbit hole and I'd order some different types of picks. And I found the YouTube video where people would make their own lockpicks with sawzall blades. Apparently for that application, it's a fairly suitable steel. And so I would save all my old sawzall blades and I would come up with the different shapes, you know, the different hooks, different different racking type profiles and stuff like that. And uh, I used to make a lot of my own lock picks. And it was, it was a fun, it was a very fun hobby, very interesting. The one thing I will say about that is that, you know, we have, it's interesting when you see how easy it is to get into locks. That is, it's a mild deterrent, but it's also, it's incredible how you get this sense of security when you have a deadbolt on your door. And then, you know, you go in there in like 10 seconds, you can have that deadbolt open without a key. And it's just, it's a false sense of security in, in my opinion. Um, the more you get into lockpicking, you know, the more that kind of becomes evident and everybody says like, you know, most people, the, the locks they have in their house, it makes them feel good. It's really not going to keep people out that really want to get in. And uh, it's actually not that hard to get into. But anyways, so I had all these Sawzall blades that I've been saving and I thought, you know what, this might be a really good pocket clip. So I went ahead and I made it. And things were going really well, uh, the way that I was bending it. And if, if you're interested, you can go watch that video. And I had it all done, and I did kind of a quick heat treatment, not necessarily heat treatment. Um, obviously, I didn't want it to just be, like, soft, malleable. And I thought, well, if we harden it a little bit, it'll retain its shape and maybe give it a little springiness. And so I kind of heated it up at the very end, dunked it in some water. It didn't get crazy. I didn't get it super hot. And I put it on and it fit perfectly and it was just looking so promising and it was before noon. I was like, this is sweet. You know, I've got my whole video done. Start at like nine o'clock in the morning and in three hours, boom, I've got a video done. I can just edit it and send it out. And I was kind of, you know, springing the clip back and forth like this. Sorry, that might've been nasty. Uh, but I went to do that, and I think it was the third time. I just barely pulled it back, and it just broke right at the exact same spot the original one did. And uh, I was shocked. I was like, what? What just happened? So the video wasn't done. I, I had a failed product. Uh, but the process was kind of fun. And so I thought, you know what? What else could I use? What could I find in my house right now that I can make a clip with so I can get this video done? And I thought, you know what? Probably the most springy piece of steel that I can recall is like a drywall mudding knife. You know, like the spackle knife. Those things have a lot of spring to them. And I thought, you know what? I've got a couple of those kicking around. So I went and dug through all my drywalling tools and all those accoutrements. 
and I found the worst one that I had. It had some rust spots on it, so I'm like, okay, I know it's not stainless. Um, it, it, you know, they're chrome-plated typically, and if you don't clean them properly, you almost always end up with rust on them. And so I thought, this will be perfect. So I went ahead and did that, traced out the template, and this time when I was going to bend the clip, so with a deep carry clip, essentially what you have to do is take this small, thin piece of steel and put a over 180-degree bend in it, right? So we're bending it back over itself. The second one I did, I... Uh, I bent it too tight. I didn't have a large enough radius. And during the bending process, you know, it's kind of tapping it with a hammer, bending it over a piece of steel. I developed a crack and kaboom, there's the second pocket clip. I had already gone through the work on the second one, you know, cutting it out, marking out my holes, accurately drilling it, profiling it, shaping it. I essentially had everything done on the belt grinder and then I would bend it and that was pretty much the last stage. So. I had enough material left over of this thin little drywall knife, and I made myself the third clip. But this time, I was very careful not to uh, not to bend it too tight in the beginning. Also, really control my heat. I noticed when I was watching the video footage that when I was bending the second one, I wasn't paying attention to where the heat actually was. I had a map gas torch, and I was kind of heating it up. But if you're not looking at exactly where that heat is going... You know, in the moment, somehow, if you don't think about it, you somehow think, oh, okay, I'm heating it up. This is good. And you see something turning red and you're like, good, we're ready to bend it. But when you actually look, where's the bend going to happen? And where is the heat right now? I didn't have the heat set up properly. I wasn't heating the right spot and it wasn't hot enough. And so I think that's why it failed the second time. And I did the exact same process again, made my third clip. This time I was much more careful with my heat much more careful with how tight I bent it. And uh, for the initial bend too, right? Like when you're bending the material, you kind of want to just establish a shape. And when you think about it, anytime you're bending steel, the inner part of that curve that you're creating, that material wants to shrink or go somewhere else. And the outside of that, that material is actually being stretched, right? Because in its, its natural, its normal state, you've got two planes that are separated. So when we bend that material, the inner radius is going to be smaller. And so that it was the exact same distance before, right? If you got a, a piece of steel that's like a foot long and you put a bend, 180 degree bend in the middle of it, you know, the outside, if you measure the actual outside area, that's going to be more than 12 inches and the inside has got to be less or 12 inches, but somehow that material has to go somewhere. So I think that was a really interesting learning uh, kind of, exercise for me, doing the heating, making these tight bends, like this essentially was pushing the material, you know, to the edges of what it was capable of. And the thing that I, I walked away from that video, uh, that project was, I think that lesson in, in how important heat is where you're heating stuff. And obviously this could apply, you know, anybody that's done blacksmithing probably knows this, right? It's like, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I've never done any blacksmithing. I've tried forging knife shapes, but that's different than actually, you know, doing scrolls and stuff like this. And so it was really interesting to me thinking about, okay, every step of the process needs to be thought out and, and done properly. You know, the first time I did the clip, I had the right radius in there. I didn't go too hard with the radius. The second clip I was making, I was trying to rush it along, and I thought the steel was the ultimate problem. I thought I've got a new steel, good. And so when I was trying to bend the clip shape in there, I went too fast. 
I didn't focus on getting a gentle curve like I had on the first one. And I was just like, good, we got the right steel. Let's bet it in there. Let's get it done. And kaboom, I broke that even before it had a chance to being close to finished. And then on the third one, we got the shape figured out. And I tried to heat up the clip as evenly as possible. Obviously, drywall putty knife, I couldn't tell you what that steel is. <laughs> you know, I have no idea the composition. But I thought, you know what, let's get it to like, you know, orange slash yellow hot and just quench it in canola oil. And uh, we'll hope for the best. So far, it's been over a week since I've made it. And as you can hear, still has a lot of spring. I don't think this steel has relaxed at all. Uh, you know, sometimes these pocket clips as they get worn out. They don't bite as well. They don't have as much grip. Uh, this one's obviously still fairly new, but it is holding up really well. I have actually gotten quite a few Instagram messages uh, today, uh, this being Monday. Uh, people were wondering, is it, still, is it still alive? Is it broken? And uh, the good news is it is still very much here. It sounds good, and it's looking pretty good. So I think that was, uh, that was a really fun project. That was probably one of the more interesting projects or videos I've done recently. And I think the thing that made it really fun for me is that there's a lot of unknowns, right? I've, I've never done a pocket clip before. I have no clue what steel to use. And, and then again, if I were to do another one, I went for, you know, I went to the store and bought a drywall knife. I might get a completely different steel. So it might be a whole new set of, uh, you know, parameters to learn how to work with. But pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, doing things that you've never done before, uh, just it's fun and it. I felt like I learned more making that YouTube video than I have for, I don't know how many videos, you know what I mean? Because it's it's like, ah, this was something I didn't know about and I had to kind of figure it out as I go. And I wanted to make sure, you know, when I'd done, when I'd done this, actually my wife was in, in the city most of the day running kids around to music lessons and stuff. And uh, I showed it to her. She goes, oh, that looks good. And I said, this was my third one. She goes, what? I said, the first two broke. And she was really shocked because... It's not often, and I'm not saying I don't ever fail. That That's not the case at all. But, you know, when I make a knife, more often than not, it just comes out how I thought it would the first try. You know, I've got experience uh, to pull off of, the things I've learned in the past, the skill sets that I've built up, the procedures that I've put in place. You're trying to avoid the unknown. You want a very predictable outcome. And I enjoyed how unpredictable this was. I thought it was predictable. I thought, I thought after that first one, bada boom, bada bing, we're good. We got a pocket clip <laughs> and then it just broke. And I was, I was kind of baffled. I was like, what? What just happened? A little bit dumbfounded. And then the second time, you know, I'm just like, that was a stupid mistake right in the middle. I'm like, oh man, I was just going too crazy with this. I was trying to bend it too sharp, too soon, not enough heat. And then the third one was like, okay, let's slow down. You don't have this figured out yet. Let's let's make sure we pay attention to every single step. Let's pay attention to the process and cook, 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 cook. And at least it's holding up for now. And I had enough to get a video out, get some beauty shots and put that up. Uh, so if you're interested, you can check that out on YouTube. And, you know, a lot of people like to mod their knives. I can kind of see the draw behind that. You know, this clip was very simple. I, I tried to make it similar to what the original pocket clip was. But I could see the fun in like, you know, doing certain carvings. You could put like skeletonized designs into this thing and really kind of make it your own. Uh, something that I definitely see. I've never really understood people that are into that and like modding their pocket knives. I always thought like the Benchmade Griptilian was just 
what I wanted. It's perfect like this. But, uh, you know, even making my own clip, I'm like, that's kind of cool. You know, there's no other Benchmade Griptilian that has a clip like this one. Uh, it may look similar, but this was one that I made. And uh, it's very, very satisfying. And it was a lot of fun. So for this week coming up, uh, I believe I'll be releasing a sponsored video. And it's kind of the same thing in that I've got an idea. I'm using some parts off an existing product and I have an idea of how I want to modify it, but I don't know for sure that it's going to work. And I don't actually know exactly how to go about it. I know the end product that I want, but I'm not sure what mechanisms, what devices, uh, the process and the materials I'm going to use to get there. So it's going to be a lot of fun, uh, a little bit more of a challenge. And uh, that should be out this weekend if you guys are interested in that. And that pretty much sums up what I've been up to this week. It's been a good week, obviously, making knives, getting some knife orders out. And, um, yeah, it's it's good. I'm excited. We will not be skiing this week, so I'll have an extra day in the shop. It, they shut the ski hills down because <laughs> of the cold. Uh, they're not even operating. Uh, I remember when I was young, 17, I think, I was 17 years old, me and a friend were going skiing for Lake Louise. And this was right around New Year's. It might have, I don't know, maybe like New Year's Day or right shortly around there and uh i my license but you know i wasn't an adult i was like 17 but uh, my dad let me take the truck and i picked up my friend we threw our snowboards in the back and it was cold it was like minus 40 or something when we left home but that we didn't care we lived up five in the morning we're like we're going snowboarding and when we got up to the hill they had a thing where it had to be minus 32 degrees or warmer that's minus 32 celsius before they started the chairlift and me and my buddy Tim, we went and we stood in line so that we could be the first ones on the chairlift when they started it up. <laughs> so stupid. And so we ended up standing outside and uh, it was like minus 33 or something like that. We got one more degree. Let's go. And we stood there for like 15 minutes. And then finally they started the chairlift. And man, by the time we got up there, it took us like halfway up the mountain. And then there's the Mid-Mountain Lodge right at that chairlift. Every single person coming off that chairlift, they skied directly from where you get off the chairlift into the lodge. And it was a lineup of people waiting to get into the bathroom to warm their hands up <laughs> with the hand dryers. It was incredible. But, you know, thinking about the, the hill being closed, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, there's a time in my life when I absolutely there's nothing too cold. Now, oh, man, I went out on, on Sunday for bike ride and it was what was it? Minus 28 Celsius when I was riding. And I didn't quite dress right for it. Uh, I thought maybe I didn't need to cover my face because, you know, cover your face and then you're too hot. And, you know, it's amazing how when you're exercising, how little you need to wear outside. You know, if you're going for a bike ride, so much easier to overdress. And so I've really tried to dial this in. But I went out for a ride and it was a dead calm. So we didn't have a windshield to deal with, but it was minus 28. And I got about a kilometer and a half away from the house and my whole face was completely frozen. All I had on was a, a beanie, you know, and I didn't think I wore my bike bike helmet. But uh, I had to turn around and when I came back, like my beard was like solid ice. It felt like my face was frozen. Like I don't even think I could have smiled if I wanted to. And uh, I was like, you know what, <laughs> we're calling it. It's like a three kilometer ride today. That's good enough, but... Yeah, we've had some great weather for riding lately. Uh, obviously, that's changed now. It's freezing cold, but uh, we'll deal with it. We got like the next week here, I think the warmest weather's... We're between minus 25 to minus 35 every day, so... 
just a good time to hunker down in the garage, get some work done. Uh, I do have planned this mezzanine project I've been talking about. Uh, perfect weather for it. May as well build stuff in the garage. So I think Friday afternoon I'm going to start that, and I don't think it'll take too long. The boys and I will probably bang that out fairly quickly, but I'm super excited about that. I will be filming that. I'm not sure if I'm going to put it on my Simple Little Life YouTube channel or my other one, Jeremy Gertz, but either way, we'll kind of document that process and... Uh, create some storage, much needed storage space for myself. And the other thing I'm really excited about is that in that area, which is where I do a lot of filming, I'm going to have a nice low ceiling. Like it'll probably be about just over seven feet, um, you know, the lowest point. So that does a few things. You, you think about when you've got those open rafters, there's so many different storage ideas that you can use. Uh, you know, even for things like my steel bar stock, you know, you can make little tiny shelves and, and stack that stuff in there. A little cubbies, a little all kinds of stuff. So I really want to utilize the, the space between the floor joists. But then also, I want a couple different camera mounts that could be mounted there. Uh, it's a nice height for filming things. And, you know, if you've got a ceiling, I, I'm, I'm going to say it's not going to be like seven feet. It'll probably be lower than that. Uh, whatever. But, you know, it's something you can just reach up and touch. That is so much nicer for storing and organizing and camera mounts and this and that. Really looking forward to that and really looking forward to kind of expanding on on what you could use that type of a space for, you know, the floor joists and, and how you could utilize that setup. I think it's going to be a lot nicer, definitely be better for acoustics in there. And then again, just super nice to have a lot of storage up there. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you like these types of maker podcasts, check out the other podcasts on the Makery Network. There's a wonderful variety of shows, all different uh, personalities, characters, styles of shows, and just an incredible amount of learning and entertaining going on. I want to say thank you to Craig Lockwood of the Makery Network for setting this all up and doing such a fantastic job. And I want to say thank you to you guys for listening and supporting those who make this great content for you to enjoy. Till next time, you take care, have fun, and we'll talk to you later. Cheers. If you like this show, check out our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.